Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the Old Testament reading of 1 Samuel, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, if you were to ask someone to describe the church to you, what do you think they would say? I guess it depends on who you ask. If you were to ask someone that's never stepped foot inside of a church, you'll likely get a very different answer than someone who is at church all the time. And you'll get a very different answer from someone that used to go to church and no longer does. Sometimes you hear that the church is described as a hospital for sinners, not a a museum or a retirement home for saints. Or that the church is not a place for only the perfect. Otherwise, it'd be empty. It's not a place for the immaculate, but that it's a place for anyone, even the outcasts, the outsiders. The idea that church is for only a select group of people makes it sound like the church is more of a country club. And if you think about a country club, or if you've ever been a part of a country club, or any social group that, you know, you might be able to join, it's like this exclusive club where the way you are accepted or brought into the group is by paying your dues, your membership fees. So the way you're able to join is through money. The church is not a country club. Now, that doesn't mean people don't treat it like a country club as exclusive, as something that that only a specific type of person should belong to, persons who look a certain way, persons who dress a certain way, persons who act a certain way. But is that what the church actually is or not? And if not, how is the church intended to be? The church is the body of Christ. And as a body, we all make up different parts of that body. Do all the parts of the body look the same? Right? If if I show you a picture of this, you're going to be able to tell me that this is a... Are you sure it's not a hand? Or a head? A foot. Even though every part of the body is not the same. Now, every part of the body is unique, and all of the parts of the body are not the same. And so, as different parts, they all do different things. And certain parts of the body are good at things that other parts of the body are not, right? A mouth isn't good for hearing. An eye isn't good for tasting. So, too, with the church. Every part, every member is different and is good at something that complements the rest of the body and that other members are not good at. But every member of the body is useful. Every part is needed. And when parts are missing, the body is incomplete. How many churches today are missing parts of the body? 
I would argue that all of them are. A couple weeks ago, in the context of talking about Ruth and how she followed Naomi, right, leaving everything to make Naomi's people her people, to make Naomi's God her God, which is the one true God, we talked about whether or not we faithfully follow God, that where he goes, whether or not we'll follow. And I said, if you remember, do you want to have your best possible life? Do you want to live out your life the way God intended you? Then be here. If you do not want to live your best life possible, then don't be here. You can take a look around you. And it would seem that there are plenty of people who are choosing the latter, that second option. They're choosing to not live their best life possible by not being here. And it's sad. But you take a look at the history of Israel, and there were plenty of people that were not living their best life possible because they were not listening to God. They were not following his ways. They were not dwelling in his presence to receive his benefits and blessings. And often there were consequences for when the people of Israel, the people of God, did not follow him and his ways. There are two examples of this in the reading today that you heard. Eli's sons and the sons of Samuel. First, God told Samuel that he was going to punish Eli's house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sins were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Eli knew what his sons were doing and he didn't do anything to stop them. As a result, Eli's house was not going to continue in service to the Lord. The second one is Samuel's sons. Samuel will go on to be a very important person in the history of Israel, as you'll see in the coming weeks. And we heard that Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. And when Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. However, Samuel's sons did not walk in his ways. They did not walk in the ways of the Lord, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Sometimes children do not follow in the ways of their parents. Sometimes where the parents go, the children do not. Sometimes what parents think is best for their children, the children do not agree. And it doesn't matter how old they are, whether they're 5 or 15 or 50, right? And the church is not immune to this. You take a look around and you ask, how many of our sons and daughters that were raised here, raised up in the faith, are still here? And if our sons and daughters are not here still, then what are the chances of our grand sons and daughters being here? And they say it only takes one generation to have an entire family fall away from the church. That's the world we live in today. That's our reality. That many of us have people our age, 
that are no longer here. Our children, our grandchildren, who are no longer here. Now you hear that, you see that. It's easy to be sad about it. It's easy to be disheartened. God's word isn't sad. God's word isn't disheartening. Yes, God's word speaks the truth, and sometimes the truth can be hard to hear. Remember, though, the story does not focus on those people. And while God's word is intended to reach the lost sheep of this world, those who have strayed from the word of God, those who are not here, those who have never heard the word, we know that God uses us in our lives to reach out to the lost and the strayed and the strain with the word of God. And we pray that God uses us to do this. The word of God is also intended to reach those who are ready and willing to hear the word of God. Those who are present in his midst. And the one who's present in the house of the Lord in this story of Samuel is Samuel. Samuel had been dedicated to God by, at birth by his mother Hannah. We heard that last week. And Samuel is a young man, and he is serving Eli, the priest, at the temple. So he's at the Lord's house, and whether he's in sort of the temple courtyard or he's in the holy place, he's right outside the most holy place, right? And that's where the Ark of the Covenant is. That is where God's presence dwelled on earth. And then the Lord called to Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lay down again. So he went and lay down. So Samuel hears that call from God. Maybe he's sleeping, he's tired, right? And he mistakes the voice of God for the voice of Eli. So he runs to Eli, and Eli's like, That wasn't me. Now this happens a second time. Same thing. God calls, Samuel. Samuel's like, here I am, you called me. And Eli said, no, I didn't. And after the second time, I don't know if you caught it, but the word of God says this. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. When we think about priests or prophets or judges during this time, many of them had direct revelations from God. God spoke directly to them. He called them. He gave his word to them. That word led them. They took that word and gave it to the people. So Samuel has not yet had that direct revelation from God, even though he was serving at the Lord's temple under Eli. But as we've already seen, with Eli's sons, they also served in the Lord's temple and certainly did not know him. Think about how many people hear the call of the Lord, the word of the Lord, and don't respond like Samuel. How many hear their name called by God and ignore it? God calls to Samuel a third time, and he goes to Eli, and this time, Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And that's exactly what happens. 
God calls, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel responds, speak, for your servant hears. And thus begins Samuel's calling as the Lord's servant, as a prophet, as a judge, all of his days. And we see later that the Lord appeared again. The Lord revealed himself to Samuel by the word of the Lord. So the Lord is going to continuously reveal himself to Samuel, and he's going to use that to strengthen him in his calling. And the same goes for us. We hear in the book of Hebrews, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. Now, we don't get that direct revelation like the people of old, right? I don't know that any of us have ever heard the voice of God calling our name, right? But what we do get is we get Jesus. He speaks to us. He reveals himself to us. And this happens through his word. This happens through his sacraments. This happens at the Lord's house. This happens at Christ's church. And you might think, but why do I need that? Why do I need Christ to reveal himself to me? Why do I even need Christ? Because the truth is, none of us serve and follow God faithfully all of our days. We're like Eli's sons. We're like Samuel's sons. We don't walk in God's ways. We lie. We pervert justice. We take bribes, we cheat, we steal, we lust. We're full of pride, full of greed, full of envy, full of hatred, full of selfishness. And sure, God speaks to us through Jesus, through his word, but we turn our ears off to God. We put those earplugs in and we stop listening to God. We go our own way. We take our own path. We do not follow in God's footsteps. Because his footsteps, well, they're too demanding. They're too restrictive. And his footsteps are not fun. And I'd rather have fun than have God. And sometimes it means that we do this even while we are in the house of the Lord. just like Eli and Samuel's sons. We may think that we are part of the body of Christ, but our faith, our belief, our actions speak to the opposite. And what we deserve is we deserve to be cut off just like they were. Right? If we think that we're a part of the body of Christ, but we're living our lives opposed to Christ— Whatever part we think we are needs to be cut off. So if we're a hand, cut it off. If we're a foot, cut it off. If we're an ear, cut it off. And don't just cut it off, but cast it into the fires of hell. If we reject Christ, that's what waits for us. And that's what the gospel reading said. The, one, the ones who reject Christ and do not receive his words will be judged on the last day and will be judged harshly. There will be no life. There will only be death, for that is what our sins deserve. Physical death, yes, 
Eternal death? Hell? Absolutely. It's what we deserve. And we cannot escape this death sentence on our own. We cannot save ourselves. And that's exactly why Christ came. Christ came into this world as light, so that whoever believes in him may not remain in darkness. Christ came to free us from sin, from the darkness of death, free, to free us from hell. He came to free us from the punishment of our sin, our rejection, our unbelief, and what it deserves. And in order to do that, Christ had to bear our punishment. He had to be rejected by those who did not believe in him. And so Christ allowed himself to be crucified on the cross, suffer death for the sins of the world, for your sins and mine. He died for you. For you. When he was up there on that cross, Christ had your name on his mind. And he had your sins on his shoulders. And in order to bring life, he had to give up his in order to save our lives, he had to lose his. And then Christ, the light of the world, was laid in the darkness of the grave. But the grave, death, is no match for the perfect, sinless Son of God, whose sacrifice was complete and whose death was acceptable to God the Father and did pay the price for the sins of the whole world. His body was crucified. It died. And it was raised to life on the third day so that we could be made a part of his body, that we could be brought into his body, into his kingdom. The church is a body of Christ. It is a hospital for sinners. And the church is for the weak. You're darn right it is. Because when we confess our sins, when we confess our mistakes, our failures, all the times that we have rejected Christ and his word through our actions, we are admitting that we are weak, that we are poor, miserable, sinful human beings who can do nothing to save ourselves. When we confess our sins, we are admitting that we are not strong, that we are not strong enough to overcome temptations on our own, that we are not strong enough to resist sinning, that we are not smart enough to make the right decisions regarding sin, regarding living our lives for God all the time. And in that, Christ comes to us. He comes to you today. He calls you as his own. He calls you to repentance he calls you to hear his words of forgiveness. He calls you to see him through his death and his resurrection. He calls you to believe. And he's given his Holy Spirit to create faith in you, faith which comes through the hearing of the word. So that when he calls your name, you in faith are able to say, here I am. Many of us have been called by God, right here. 
We have been called by him, by name, in our baptism. We have been called in these waters. And I know that you can't actually hear it when it happens, but you could imagine that when there's a child here and the waters of baptism, that's okay. When a child is here and the waters of baptism, when they splash over their head, it's like God calling a modern-day Samuel in the waters of baptism, as those waters splash over that child's head, it's like God saying, Samuel, Samuel, you are mine. You are my child. You are my dearly loved child. And I am your God. And you are my beloved. God revealed himself to Samuel by his word. Christ continues to speak to us through his word. He reveals himself to us in our baptism. He reveals himself to us in his supper. He reveals himself to us through his words of absolution so that on your last day on earth, he will call you again. He will call you home to heaven, and you'll say, here I am. And he'll say, in the words of Paul, you have fought the good fight. You have finished the race. You have kept the faith. Now here is your crown of righteousness. Here is your eternal life that I won for you through my death and resurrection, which you believed through my spirit. Come for all eternity. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.